This is the Beautiful Feet Podcast. A partnership with BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com. Follow us on social media at Beautiful Feet Entertainment and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Beautiful Feet Podcast. So this week, Jessica and I are here. We're getting ready to talk over um, Knives Out. But before we jump into that, we're going to go ahead and just talk about our week. Cool? Okay, let's do it. All right, so how's your week going? Um, today is Monday, so it's been a pretty good week so far. Yeah. We had a great day on Sunday at church. I'll let you talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. So uh, for our church, one of the things we do is we do the production side of it. So like... We help with the lights and, and, and everything that goes into making sure the music sounds good and the whole production for it. And we had, we got there, what, 5? No, we woke up at 5 a.m. Right? Yeah, we got there just after 6 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, so we woke up at 5 a.m. And we got there around 6 and we just kind of went through uh, the rehearsals and the different things. But we've always had a fun time with that. We always enjoy doing that. Um, but yeah, so we did that. What, what, what else happened this week? Um, I worked in the yeah. afternoon at my new job at our local library. Totally love that. Yeah. Because you want to make that a career, correct? Yes. That is my career goal is to just take this part-time job that I have right now and just turn that into my sole source of income and happiness. <laughs> income and happiness. Interesting. Anyway... So, what else has been going on? Uh, to finish off Sunday, we went and saw the new Star Wars movie, Rise of the Skywalker, but that will be another video for another day. Another podcast? Yes. Yes. I'm still learning the terminology here. The <laughs> lingo, as it were. But yeah, so we are going to be talking about that, but not today, because we want to kind of give people time to see it. Um, but today, we're talking about Knives Out. Now, kind of give us an overview of this movie and why you wanted to see it. So, Knives Out is a whodunit tale. It's purely a murder mystery, which is my favorite kind of genre. It's my favorite thing to read. Like, I just really love that. Don't mind our cats in the background yeah. here. Our cats are just having, <laughs> having a battle on their own. Um, wow, they're really going. Anyway, continue. So, Knives Out, uh, the main character is Christopher Plummer, and he... <laughs> Sorry, we're going to have to edit out this. No, we're not editing anything. This is It's basically the Lion King on our couch right now. So Christopher Plummer plays an 85-year-old man who owned a, um, a publishing company that he gave to his son. And he was a really famous author. The family name is Thornby. Um... And he gathers everyone together to celebrate his 85th birthday. So you have his kids and his grandkids. Everyone is there. And then, obviously, they find out that he has been murdered. Well, the story from the movie is that he, he committed suicide. But they begin, they start to believe that it was a murder, correct? Like the detectives think that it's a murder yes. that actually happened. So. Yeah, so they think that he he got he actually got killed instead of being you know killing himself that he, somebody else had actually killed him, uh, and they start this whole investigation, and they start interrogating the family members and just talking about it. 
Who, let's talk about some of the characters in this movie. We had some great characters in this movie. Uh, the casting was amazing. You have Jamie Lee Curtis, who plays, uh, I believe it's his daughter, Linda. Yeah. And then um, Chris Evans plays his rather Rans- flippant grandson, Ransom. What a name, Ransom, right? Yes. And then he had, I mean, what did he have? Three, four kids? To get yeah. three kids, uh, daughter-in-law, and then grandkids mm-hmm. from there. Um, and they all, of course, with any, you know, whodunit or murder mystery, you have every, every person has motive to kill this guy, right? So let's kind of jump into those. What were some of the motives that we saw? Now, I believe his first name is Harlan. Harlan actually went and he changed his will fairly recently before he passed away. And each one of his kids rely on him financially yes so money is definitely a main motive and then mm-hmm. also not to give too much away no, but his, give it all away. his daughter linda's husband has been having an affair and harlan found out about it so she so harlan oh. was gonna let linda know that he knew the truth so that's another motive like trying to um cover up his infidelity mm-hmm and then, yeah, I mean, so you had all these different motives from all these different people. Now, because this dude is, like, what would you say, 84? He's, I, th- I think he's 85. About, okay, in his mid-80s. Um, he also had a caregiver. And the caregiver was honestly one of my favorite characters. I'm trying to remember her name. It was... Marta. Marta. She was fantastic. I don't, I don't remember who played her, but she was great. She was, she was a great uh, person to, you know, to kind of build up this character. Tell, tell us about Marta. Um, Marta is Harlan's caregiver. Mm-hmm. She comes in just when he needs help to make sure that he has his medication at the end of the day, and that's a major plot point in the film. Actually, yeah. is her administering medication. Yeah. Well, yeah, so her job is basically just to make sure he's doing well. Uh, and as he was getting older, like, basically he got to the point where she almost was not living in the house, but she was there a lot of the day, right? Like, cause yeah. he would basically need a lot of attention, a lot of help for different things. So they kind of built up a bond between the two of them. And that was fun to see because you did get to see them um, interact with one another and what that looked like. Because Marta, like... The, the story takes place on the Thornby's family estate for the most part. But we do see Marta interacting at home with her mother and I believe a younger sister as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you have all these cast of characters um, basically trying to prove that they're innocent or that they had nothing to do with this murder um, or alleged murder because we don't, we don't know. We're told that it's a suicide, but... Obviously, you know, it's alleged that it's a murder. Now, there's one dude, one detective. Let's talk about him. Um, that would be played by Daniel Craig. I know he has a very interesting name. I can't remember exactly uh, what even, it is. I don't even remember what it was. Um, and he's not a part of the local police force. Like, they make this abundantly clear that he's a third party who's actually been hired to investigate the circumstances surrounding Harlan's death. One of the things I liked about him was... 
he didn't even know who hired him. Apparently, an envelope showed up to his office or home or whatever with a picture of Harlan and money and, like, a certificate saying that the dude had died or a news article saying he had died. And he just took this case, didn't know who hired him, and I thought that was interesting. But what was it about this this detective that made him so appealing? Um, I think the thing that really made him appealing was for the beginning of the film, he really spent a lot of time in the background, literally. Yeah, so he would sit in the background during these like interrogations of the family members, and he sat by the, the piano, and while they're sitting there speaking, he would just tap like a key. Do you know what key he played? Um, no, I would definitely have to rewatch some footage for that. I asked because she, she, she's, she plays piano, so you know. <laughs> anyway, our, our cat was trying to be a part of our podcast. Yes, yeah, she's just very intrigued by the microphone and the laptop. And yes, she fun. is. Um, but yeah, so he would hit this key, and and I I kind of um, interpreted that as him indicating that they were lying about something. Because he would only do it at certain times. So they would say something and he would just ding, hit this hit this key. And they, they were very confused because he wouldn't say anything. Uh, but he started working with Martha, Martha um, to kind of help solve this case. Now here's the frustrating thing for me about this movie. They gave away who done it within the first like 20 minutes. But what I liked what they did was they kind of built it up in a way of like, you know who's done it, but now how are they going to get to the end of revealing the truth about what really happened? What did, what did you feel about that? Honestly, I really liked how this story was constructed because it didn't feel like it was stereotypical or stale. Like we've all seen movies where you can solve the murder in 20 minutes and you know and they drag it out right but this film i feel like there was a lot of complexity to it oh yeah and like i said one of my favorite things about the movie is is the cast Mm -hmm. the cast of characters made this movie so amazing to watch Mm -hmm. and like i was really glad that christopher Plummer did get more screen time than i had initially anticipated you know because he was the dead guy so i didn't think that he was going to be on screen as much but because the film is told also through almost like flashbacks of this one evening or maybe a few days in their lives he really just he was just a compelling actor and it was such a treat to get to see him on screen yes it was um but yeah so Let's see. What what else was there about this movie that was just intriguing? Without without blowing the movie, without telling everyone what it's about. What 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 was so what else was intriguing about it? She's thinking. I am. I'm thinking it over here. I really enjoyed the fact that Harlan's character, he just didn't take himself super seriously. No. He really knew how to to have fun. I truly loved his character. He seemed like the coolest granddad on the planet. Like... He was not a crotchety old man. I mean, he could be at times, but it's usually because his kids were just doing something dumb and he was mad at that. Yeah. um, Do we want to jump into spoilers a little bit? I will leave that up to you. I'm going to say yes. Uh, So... 
basically we, we mentioned that he changed his will now the biggest plot point in the movie basically not only did he change his will but all of his kids were no longer part of his will he took them all out because basically it was hey you're being too dependent on me he i i think he knew he was gonna die not maybe not that moment but mm -hmm. within the next few years and so he was like hey my life is good like i i worked hard for what i have my kids did not. I basically handed them everything without realizing it. Um, so he basically cut everyone out of the will. And he ended up keeping or giving all of his money, his property, and everything else over to Martha. Why? Why would he do that? Um, well, let's take a look at what he is giving her. Because mm -hmm. it's not just money, although there was a considerable sum. It was the $12. money. <laughs> I think it was like $60,000 or something crazy like that. Something I've never seen in my lifetime. Anyway, go ahead. So you have the money, and you also have the publishing company, and then you have his actual house. Okay, that was one of the funniest parts, where they're having the will read to the whole family, and the guy's reading it and basically says, yes, all the money, all the Everything's going over to, to Marta. And they're all looking at her like, what did you do? And and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character was fantastic. She just starts yelling at everyone, get out of our house, get out of our house. And she starts yelling at Marta, basically saying, get out. And I don't know what the dude, what his title is, the guy who reads the will. Do you know what those are called? Are they um, just insurance? Like, it's, it's generally an, exec an executor of the estate. So that guy, um, he pauses. An executor. There executor, we go. <laughs> not the executor. No. There's like not going to be a double murder in this one. Not yet. Um, but basically, he, he kind of pauses. The whole family looks at him, and he reads the last line, which basically says that the, the house is also owned by Martha. And I thought that was just... It just blew my mind. They got super... And I loved their reaction because they got so mad that I sat there and I go, this is how a family would react. Every person was mad and upset because they no longer have the fortune that their dad had built up over these mm -hmm. these decades. Um, so, yeah. And I'm, I don't want to give away the full ending because it, it's a murder mystery. You're supposed to kind of figure it out. But the way that it ended, what? how do you feel about that? Um, before we jump into the ending, I do just want to take a moment to talk about Harlan's mom. Because oh. she was hilarious. Oh yeah, she was great. Talk about Harlan. Okay, so Harlan was 85. He's 85. He's in his this 80s. This is his 85th so birthday party. Think about this. If he's 85, that means his parents, if they were around 20 when they had him, they're touching 100 over a hundred? Let's talk about the mom as the cat. What the fuck? <laughs> she, okay, so she tried to, our cat tried to jump from the counter up to the top of the fridge. Didn't quite make it. So let's talk about the grandma. Now, the, the matriarch kid. of this family you think would be like a boisterous, very outspoken woman, right? I think... She, she had maybe two lines in the entire film, but it was just like 
her facial expressions and just like how people treated her that was hilarious. She's this tiny little woman who's all wrapped up in like this big fur coat and she has these oversized glasses. Just like her expressions, like she just stole whatever scene she was in. Yeah, and and I think she only had about two lines the whole movie. Now, some of those lines will be played because of a flashback, but it was the same line. She was fantastic. She, I don't know who played her, but I want to figure that out. Well, and here's the thing. like her, So they would be her, her grandkids or great-grandkids or both. Like Everyone just treated her like she was out of it or whatever, but I feel like she was pretty with it. Yeah, she knew what was going on. I think she was reserving that energy. The woman's in her, you know, hundreds. She got to reserve that energy. But jumping, is there anything else we want to dig into before the end of that movie? She's thinking. No, I think we're going to jump to the end. Let's jump to the end. Okay, so without giving really too much away, like, you start to realize that, you know, Man, how do we how do we how do we end this? Okay, without... I, I feel like I know a way to end it without spoiling it for you. Now, you obviously know that the will says that Marta gets everything. Yep. And because of that, some of the family members are like, "Hey, like you've always been, we've always been good to you. I just hope you'd be good to us." One particular character, Ransom kind of tries to take Marta underneath his wing as far as like, hey, just tell me what happened and, you know, we'll get through this together. Mm -hmm. That dynamic, that relationship, um, the end of the movie is entirely dependent on basically the inspector and Marta and Ransom. Yeah. And it was really well done. It was funny. It had action to it. It had suspense. It had vomit. You'll, you'll learn about that when you watch the movie. Um, it had a lot that I just sat there and really enjoyed. Um, and you do find out who did it. And, and you find out why and the individual's motive. Would you recommend this movie? Oh, I would definitely recommend this movie. I would recommend it. Like, If you like murder mysteries, you'll enjoy this. If you want to just go see it for the cast, like Christopher Plummer and Jamie Lee Curtis and Chris Evans, like that, that's a definite recommendation. And we're not even talking about the cast who like, who we don't know, who we aren't really familiar with. Um, There are people in this movie who they've been in major Mm -hmm. motion pictures and they're doing great in a career. You and I don't know them too well, but they did phenomenal. Like, the whole ensemble, like, the whole cast working together like this. This film was really a treat. I I would hesitate to recommend it for younger viewers, though. Like, definitely for, kids. <laughs> for the older set. Maybe, like, if you have teenagers, I feel like they can handle it. But leave the kids at home. Yeah. Um, now, Jessica and I are going to be doing... Um, we're going to be adding this to the podcast more where it's talking about movies... Normally, we would go into a section of like, because of our faith, here's something we can pull from this movie. Um, But this movie really just, it was just fun to watch. There's not a whole lot of like spiritual content in it. There's not a whole lot of um, conversation back and forth about 
anything church related, but it's just something that's fun to watch. It's 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 a good way to kind of reconnect with your family and sit back and say, "Hey, did you think this was going to happen? Did you believe this person's story or alibi or however?" Um, is there anything you were able to pull from this movie? Um, the only thing that I could really think of is just it highlights really how how greed is can be such a motive for some people like how yeah. they're they're truly motivated by money and this family definitely highlighted like they were used to having a certain sort of lifestyle and because it looked like that was going away the anger came out yes yeah see, i'm a fan of of true crime and i'm a fan of of just that genre and so to watch this and see the motives and how realistic they were and how put together they were like because there was there was motives of plenty people oh so many and and i like how everyone had a different motive even though they all surrounded around money does that make sense Mm -hmm. like the core of it was the money but they had these other things that were motive well because you have not only the money but you have the affair with linda's husband you have um the double dipping of the college tuition and then there's also the fact that the publishing house, they were trying to get it to do like more ebooks and other things like that. Movie rights and things like that. Harlan refused to give up the rights. So those are like the non-monetary motives. Yeah, so I, I just felt like it was a really put together movie and we, we, had a, we had a great time watching this movie. Let's talk about not the movie, but the, the movie experience. Unfortunately, we didn't get to sit together. Okay. Um, we decided we wanted to go see the movie on Christmas Day in the evening. So that was probably our first indication that maybe we should have just watched something on DVD for the night. Yeah. So we go up. Um, we give the the cashier or the lady at the counter. Our, we, had, we, had, we had gift cards that we were going to use. So we give over the gift cards and basically... Um, she shows us the seats because again this is like this is an updated you know theater so you have to kind of pick your seats and so and we had to sit basically i sat in the very literally the very front row and she sat the seat behind me yeah um and we're, we're sitting there through the previews and i guess there was supposed to be a couple sitting next to you that never showed up so i should have moved back and sat with my wife but I didn't know they weren't going to show up. And by the time I figured it out, I was kind of so immersed in the movie that, you know, I, I didn't move. But I don't I, I don't recommend that. It, it was not... Well, because normally when we go to see a film, we like to be all the way in the very back row, kind of in the middle. Like, that's the primo that, viewing that's, spot. That's my favorite spot. We didn't get that spot. So... You know, we, we did what we could with what we had, and we enjoyed the movie. We know that you guys would also enjoy this movie. You should definitely go see it. Um, anything else we should we should jump into? Um, just be on the lookout for... We're going to be putting out a podcast to talk about some movies that we are excited about that are coming in 2020. Yes. 2020. Oh, gosh. We got... We got um, Black we Widow. Got- we got Free Guy. And Wonder Woman 1984. Wonder Woman 1984. Um, 
Is there any other movies that we can think? I know there's other movies that are coming out, but can you think of any others that like we must see? Bad Boys, the new Bad Boys movie. I'm I'm really looking forward to. I think that comes out in January. I don't know exactly. We'll definitely have to be watching some trailers and letting you know, hey, this is what we're looking forward to in 2020. But to end off 2019, go see Knives Out. Yes. Well, we're going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break. We're going to be back. Um, we're going to do a Bible study section. And then we're going to just keep talking, keep going. So uh, we'll be right back right after this break. Welcome back to the Beautiful Feet Podcast. So in the second section of the show, we wanted to go ahead and jump into um, the book of Acts. We're going to go ahead and go over Acts chapter 1. Again, we're not going over the full um, the full chapter, and this should not be a substitute for reading the word yourself. It's just us kind of giving our thoughts and feelings about the chapter. Um, I'm going to go ahead and let Jessica jump in first. Um, she's going to give us some, some background information. Hi. Um, my Bible that I use is actually the NIV Adventure Bible. It's the Polar Exploration Edition, the number one Bible for kids. It says, get ready for a frosty adventure. I really enjoy it. Now, why did you pick this Bible specifically? I picked this Bible because it has penguins on the inside and I love penguins. <laughs> okay, and why do you connect so deeply with like kids' Bibles technically? Honestly, I think it helps just because the material is broken down into much smaller chunks. So yeah. there's like little side notes and little things, um, just kind of information to tell you more about what you're reading. And mm-hmm. I don't know, it's just easier for me to process it. Yeah, and so that's why I'm, I'm kind of having her jump in first because she's going to give us the background of who wrote the book and why. Because this Bible has a little page before each and every book that just gives you a little breakdown of it. So we're just going to go over that. Um, For the book of Acts, there are some questions that it asks and it obviously gives you the answers. It says, who wrote this book? Uh, It was written by Luke, the physician who traveled as a missionary with Paul. Luke wrote this book. Question two, why was this book written? Acts tells how the Christian faith spread to the whole world. Mm Mm-hmm. Question number three. There's only six of them, so we're halfway through. (laughs) For whom was this book written? Acts was written for everyone who wants to know what happened after Jesus returned to heaven. Question four. Who are the key people in this book? The most important people in this book are Peter and Paul. Question five. When did this happen? This book tells what happened from about A.D. 30 to 61. And finally, where did this book happen? The events in this book happened in many important cities in the Roman Empire. And it says to see the map index at the back of this Bible to find the Roman Empire. Okay. So basically this book takes place, um, this writing from Acts takes place after Jesus had rose from the grave and actually went up um, to heaven to be um, with the Heavenly Father. Um, so the way the way this breaks down, you know, uh, basically the first section is talking about Jesus going up into heaven. Uh, that's kind of the, the section we're going to focus on. So verses 1 through about 10 or 11. Um, so let's go ahead and jump into that. 
Uh, and we're not going to go over the full chapter, but I do want to read bits and pieces of it. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump into... Let's read from verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus? How do you say that? Theophilus. Theophilus. Okay, who's Theophilus? He's the individual that Luke is writing to. And I only figured that out because Jessica just told me. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, so he's writing this to Theophilus. So he says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all the things uh, that Jesus began to do um, and teach. Until the day that he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So let's kind of break that down, right? So this book is written to talk about after Jesus, um, you know, did, worked in his ministry, died for our sins, and actually rose again, right? And it's the instructions that Jesus is leaving before he, you know, he goes into heaven. Would that be correct? Yes, that is correct. All right, cool. This sounds like an sounds like a like interrogation. <laughs> Come on, loosen up. No, <laughs> but uh, so basically. I'm going to kind of jump um, to verse 3. He says, After his suffering, okay, this is Jesus' suffering that he's speaking on. After his suffering, he presented himself to them, meaning the disciples, and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. What do we see here, right? So we see that Jesus came back from the dead. He proved that he was actually alive. And remember, this is a physician speaking. This is not somebody who didn't know the human body. This is not somebody who didn't know medicine. This is simply somebody who knew these things and was able to verify that Jesus was alive. Now, here's the thing about Luke. I don't. He was not one of the, the 12 disciples. He was writing this... Um, Basically, he, he's writing it secondhand, meaning he's taking the accounts of the firsthand people who experienced this with Jesus, and he's rewriting it. And we see this throughout history, not only biblical history, but world history as well, where we take what we've learned and we kind of rewrite it um, for the next generation or the next group of people. Um, but he talks about Jesus proving that he was alive and this is my favorite part he actually was on earth extra 40 days after his his resurrection i think a lot of people get it confused or they misunderstand and think that jesus rose from the grave and immediately just went up into heaven and didn't tell anyone but the truth was he actually um was on earth with his disciples for 40 days and I, I'm, and I, I know that in, um, in um, one of the other books of the Bible, Paul writes about um, actually how many people Jesus encountered before going to heaven. But I, I have to find that verse for you. I think it's at least 500 people. Yeah, so we're looking into the hundreds of people. And I heard it this way. Actually, I heard it. When I first started digging into scripture, you know, years ago, imagine being in a courtroom 
and about 500 people sit down one by one giving an account of the same event and everything matching up would you count that as proof would you would you finally believe at that point and honestly if that were to happen we would definitely say yes if 500 people sat down and they all agreed and they all shared the same story one by one we would say it's undeniably true and that's what um, that's what we're what we're gonna see is that over this time these people encounter Jesus or the Christian community because remember this is right after Jesus rose from the dead um, so there is no Christian uh, community this is the very beginning of it there's 12 men uh, well at this time there's 11 men and they're the ones who are going to take this message how did how, what, what does that make you think about well I guess my focus right now is about the significance of the 40 days because you see 40 days come up a lot not just in Jesus's life but I mean in the Bible in general yeah, what, what what are some other areas that it comes up in that um, you can think of? Well, with Noah and the Ark, like it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the number 40 in the Bible is significant of this period of waiting yeah. for something else to come. Like how the children of Israel waited for 40 years in the wilderness before they took the promised land. So like the disciples are kind of waiting for this time when Jesus isn't going to be with them anymore, but they are going to have the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about that because we're leading into that. What is the Holy Spirit? Um, we just finished up an entire series about this at our church, but it's still, it's still not an easy question to answer. No, it's not. So the way our pastor described it is like when Jesus was there, it would be like having Jesus as a person next to you. But then because he went back to heaven, the Holy Spirit is kind of like having Jesus internally like guiding you. Mm -hmm. So the first thing we learned from this series was that the Holy Spirit is a is a person, right? Even though it's not, what I mean by that is it's not just a thing that we grasp onto or an idea. It's a living, um, it's a living um, spirit within us. And so that's what Jesus is going to talk about in verse 4. He says, because again, he's talking about how he was here for 40 days and he spoke about the kingdom of God. Verse 4 continues and says, on one occasion... While he was eating with them, meaning the disciples, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Now that gift is that Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is going to actually come to these people, these men, and and it's basically going to guide them through this Christian walk. And it's is there anything else that the Holy Spirit does? Well, if you look even at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, so right before he's going to go and have this this transformation and this change and just begin like his teachings, you see when he gets baptized, God speaks and the Holy Spirit is there. So how fitting is it to like have the Holy Spirit also come as sort of a bookend? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... 
and, and this is the beautiful thing is the Holy Spirit at this time was moving within the church. What what I mean by that is um, when they were going out and doing ministry, like the Holy Spirit was actually there healing people and, and helping um, guide these men into ministry. And the great thing is, is the Holy Spirit's doing that today. I mean, you could you could talk to any believer or Christian, and they will tell you that they 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 felt the Holy Spirit in their life, right? Or or they felt compelled to do something to help somebody that they wouldn't normally do because they felt the Holy Spirit speaking to them. And I know that sounds scary, right? That sounds very um. Sounds like a scary movie, right? It sounds kind of beyond belief, but the truth is, is, is that's what really happens. And I know in our marriage, we've had moments where stuff like that's happened as well. Can you think of any? Well, and I, I kind of like to think of the Holy Spirit as like an internal compass, kind of guiding you where you need to go. And mm-hmm. um, I guess a, a big moment in our relationship, like before we were married, Anthony was teaching and he was just literally miserable at it and he knew that it was time for a change for him and he was nervous about coming to me and telling me about hey not only do I want to quit teaching but I also want to go into ministry but I remember we sat and we just had this really open honest conversation again like I don't even think we were engaged at this point no we were not it was it was yeah um, about like, hey, like I'll support you 100% just because in my spirit, I could tell that he just had this burden that he was unburdening his heart to me. And so just that I was willing to be so supportive of him, like yeah. that's an incredibly large part of our marriage is the fact that we support one another. And I feel like the Holy Spirit does allow us to to connect deeper with one another as a couple. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, jumping back into scripture, um, so Jesus talks about how he, the gift that they're going to receive is this Holy Spirit. Um, but I love what he says here because he says, um, he, got, he continues on, verse 5. For John baptized with water. Now, again, this is a story of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. Um, basically, he, you know, when, when, when he, actually before he was born, when his mother was pregnant with him, he actually got the Holy Spirit, that gift. And he, basically, his, his, his job was to kind of make the way for Jesus, in, in, in a sense. And he would start baptizing people in the name of Jesus with water. Now, Jesus says, okay, John did that. He baptized with water. He says, but I am going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. And he says, in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What that means is that that's when the Holy Spirit kind of enters into your life and into your heart and really starts to guide you through this Christian walk. And like Jessica said, it will guide you. It will give you peace over situations. Um, and it, honestly, you're going to see it within Scripture. It also gives you courage to speak out against things that you know are not right. Even though that's terrifying. Or it could be, at times, for these men, were dangerous. Um, 
the Holy Spirit gives you strength to do that. Uh, and that that's a beautiful thing because, let's face it, we as human beings, we're pretty much weak. And we get scared and kind of run away. Um, but he says, I'm going to go ahead and strengthen you with that Holy Spirit. That, that's why it's such a gift. Is It kind of helps you with so much of your walk. Um, and he, he kind of continues on. He said, you know, basically says at, at one point in time, you know, after the Holy Spirit comes, you are going to be my witness to all the world. That means that you're going to spread the gospel, which is good news. You're going to spread that good news to the whole world, but you've got to wait for the Holy Spirit. And what what this reminded me of, this really reminded me of um, in my life, just having to wait for things that you know... Um, that you know are important to you or that God's leading you to, but God's sitting there saying, hey, it's not time yet, but soon. Um, so we're going to go ahead and, and look into that a little more. Okay, so as he is talking about the Holy Spirit, I like my brain jumps to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, and in my Bible, like it's, it's its own little infographic, for lack of a better way to put it. It says words to treasure, and then there's like a little treasure chest next to it. So I will go ahead and read that to you. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. So this is about the fruit of the Spirit. So this is what the Holy Spirit will manifest and bring into our lives. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Yeah. I mean, again, the, the Holy Spirit is kind of... It's this part of who God is that I think we're still trying to understand, but it, it, we're asked to trust. Um, so after this conversation with, with, with the disciples... We get into this part of the story, and, and this is where things get pretty interesting. Um, well, I'm going down to verse 10. They, sorry, not, I'm sorry, wait a minute. Okay, I'm sorry, verse 9. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Let's talk about this. What does that mean? Um, well, you you and I were talking about this earlier, how the disciples literally were standing there in amazement. And I'm like, they don't even have the kind of technology that we do. And if like if we were to witness someone that we knew, like a close friend, just literally be carried off on a cloud, I feel like we'd be a little shocked too. Yeah. So, I mean, think about that. Like that kind of, in my mind, encapsulates like this idea that Jesus was more than just a mere man he's walking on a cloud and it lifts him up into the heavens um and they're staring in amazement like again like she said i would be shocked if if i just sat there and, and just saw jesus get lifted up into the clouds um and they're up there they're staring into the clouds in verse 10 he says uh, they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going uh, when suddenly two men dressed 
uh, in white stood behind them. And this is what they said, the two men in white. Men of Galilee, they said, why, uh, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven. Sorry. The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come back the same way that you have seen him go to heaven. So he's basically saying that the way that Jesus was taken up into the clouds, that's how we're going to see Jesus return. And again, that just shocks and awes me because it's like it kind of takes you past just being on a human plane. It takes you into something greater, into something bigger mentally, and you're, you're just trying to work your mind around it. Um, but let's look into this, this scripture. So we're talking about the Holy Spirit. We're talking about waiting for the Holy Spirit before jumping into like, basically they're getting ready to jump into full-time ministry. What does that look like in today's world? What does that look like in today's world? Um, I guess in that period of waiting, we all have major life decisions and it's good, like you said, to take that, to take that time just to pray about things or to look for guidance, have like a mentorship going on, someone who's further along in the faith than you that you can go to and be like, Hey, this is what's going on in my life. And that as believers, we know that as long as we truly listen to the Holy Spirit and follow those callings, then we'll mm -hmm. be on the path that God wants us to be. Because, again, like we we're learning about in church, like God just goes before us and he makes a way for us. Yeah. So we just have to trust him in that. Yeah. And I feel like, um, sorry to cut you off. No, I feel fine. like that is so different from what our culture says. Our culture says, oh, look within yourself. For answers but our faith says no look to the bible look to other leaders in the faith people that you you trust and ultimately look to jesus like look look to, jesus. To, look to that holy spirit and build a community around you that is trustworthy that is uh men and women of integrity so that they won't lead you away from god but they'll lead you closer to god because the power isn't necessarily in in our community it's in the fact that that community reaches us or, or connects us with Jesus. Uh, I think that's where the power of our community comes from. And you're going to see that throughout Acts as we go through that a little more. Um, so, so yeah, that's basically Acts chapter 1. I don't want to go over that second part because it's basically them just going, Oh, Judas had you know betrayed Jesus, so we're going to pick this guy to take his place. That's really not important. His name was Matthias, by the way. Yeah, Matthias. So, basically, that's that second portion. But I kind of wanted us to kind of start that conversation of, one, Jesus being alive 40 days after he had died, being lifted up on a cloud, but before that, promising the Holy Spirit, and kind of just talking about what that means and what that looks like. Um, so... Is there anything else we needed to jump into before we uh, move on? No, I feel like that's yeah, a pretty, that's good, pretty good, pretty good for chapter one. Yes. And thank you all for joining us. We really hope that um, if you are listening, just leave it in the comments below. If there's any other books or topics or anything that you'd like to hear us 
talk about in the podcast, we'd be very happy to hear from you so we can give you content that is what you'd like to hear. Absolutely. And feel free to subscribe to um, Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on the Anchor um, Anchor app, so you can jump on there. We're trying to get this podcast out to anyone and everyone that we can. So feel free to share it, subscribe it, and do everything that we can do to kind of get this word out there. Um, Thank you for listening, and God bless. Thank you for listening to the Beautiful Feet Podcast, a partnership of BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com. Please feel free to follow us on social media at Beautiful Feet Entertainment. Please visit BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com and do not forget to like, share, and subscribe.